that we need to focus our thoughts, our lives, our entire presence on. Thank you that as we seek to be faithful to you, that you are faithful to us. And this morning, as we continue our worship, we pray that you would bless us this morning, that your word again would speak into the lives of those who are here this morning. And we thank you for your word and for the voice of Habakkuk, who over the centuries is reaching into our lives and into our hearts even now to proclaim a truth that we all need to acknowledge and a truth that we all need to live by. So thank you for this morning, and we pray that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, nice to have you here this morning as we continue our series in Habakkuk. Can I ask you a question this morning? What's your biggest struggle with God? Don't answer. Okay. What's your biggest struggle with God? And you know, to be to be honest, here here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. In, in, in the years of my experience, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a believer. It doesn't matter if you're a non-believer. Everyone appears, at least to me, anecdotally, struggle with the same thing when it comes to God. You know, this whole you know, if there's a tension in our lives. If there's, if there's a difficulty in our lives when it comes to God, it's this whole business of evil and, and judgment and, and, and maybe this, this, this side of God that we're very uncomfortable with. But that's the reality. No matter if you're a believer, no matter if you're not a believer, we seem to struggle with the, with the same thing. And, and if, you've been, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've been, we've been going through the book of Habakkuk, which is only three chapters long. But it's, it's been a bit of a surprise. It's been a, a bit of a surprise even for me because it's been a long time since I've been through Habakkuk myself. I don't know what possessed me to, to, you know, a year ago to, to go and, and get into this book. But I'm very glad we did. Because it's a very powerful book. And you know what's really bizarre, too? Um, how many of... Okay, uh, maybe I won't we'll take a survey. But do you know that this week alone, I've had four newsletters show up in my inbox quoting Habakkuk. Like, how bizarre is that? Just, you know, just this week. And, and, and it's just one of those funny things. Because uh, how many of us you know, read Habakkuk on a, on a regular basis? This is not one of those common books that we get to. But... Um, it's an important book because the life of Habakkuk is so different, if I can say that, compared to the way many of us live out our faith. Uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know Habakkuk is is decrying the the you know the state of the world that he lives in. That people are just <coughs> running rampant, evil is running rampant. Um, and what's more disturbing for Habakkuk is not just the world outside there, it's the people of God themselves. They're living in this particular way themselves. So Habakkuk is appealing to God, do something about it. And God goes, okay, I'm going to answer your prayer. I am going to do something about it. Guess what? I'm going to send the Babylonians, people who are more evil, to come and to deal with you. And Habakkuk goes, what time? I don't, I don't get that. I, that, that's, that's a tough thing for me to deal with. He's very honest. Why, why would God deal with people in that particular way? And it's, 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 it's an amazing place that Habakkuk comes to. And, and, and we're gonna, in the next two weeks as we close up this series, we're going to look at this, this, this 
deal that Habakkuk's got as he as he, as he works with the with what he's learning about God. And as we get into chapter two, and if you were part of the life groups last week, you know that you I made you read through chapter two. And I want to and, and Habakkuk um, gets this message from God that you know even though the Babylonians he's going to send them, he's going to use them to deal with with the people of Israel. God is will eventually deal with the Babylonians as well. He's not just going to let them run rampant. He's not just going to let them, you know, you know, express their evil on the people of God. God is going to deal with them too because they are evil. And he and and, and Habakkuk gives six woes. This this six uh, category list of the things that God is going to judge the Babylonians on. Now, the interesting thing about chapter 2 is the Babylonians don't get mentioned with these six categories because the implication is we are all guilty at some level of one of, at least one of these. Here's the list. Number one. Here's the list. <laughs> Number one. Trouble is coming for those who are, which is the woes, okay? Number one, for those who are prideful. For those who are proud, okay? Number two. Number two. Those who are greedy. Um, number three. Those who are dishonest. Number four. Those who are violent. Number five. Those who are immoral. Number six, those who are idolaters. That's the list. That's the list. Now, now, how many of you would have trouble with God judging those people? Not at all, right? I, I wouldn't have any trouble any trouble with God judging that list. That's a pretty bad list, right? That's a list. You know, would you want your kid marrying somebody like that? No, you don't. Would you want your family to be characterized as those people? No. That's 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 quite a list. That's you know I'm, we would have no trouble saying to God, God, I understand that you would judge these people. I understand why you would have to deal with these people. I understand why you would have to. You know, invade their lives and wake them up to the reality of what they really are, because these are characteristic of the worst kinds of sins we can possibly imagine. And this is what would bring people into, into uh, you know, potential judgment of God. Even though we acknowledge that God is a graceful God, that God, you know, loves His creation and wants to see everyone in His creation come to faith. But every one of every one of these categories is one that we can easily acknowledge as judgment. You know where I struggle with this list? Because if you read that list and you're brutally honest with yourself, we all at some level are this. Aren't we? Aren't we? We're brutally honest. We find ourselves in a prideful moment greedy. We, we can be greedy and make it sound like we're being um, diligent. Yeah, we can even sound like we're being faithful to God and, and still be greedy. 
So those, those are characteristics that, that we could very easily have, have you know, kind of over top of ourselves. And, and, and Habakkuk acknowledges this. He, he sees this list. And as he gets into chapter 3, something remarkable happens. You know, the, the, way I, the way I read the book, it's just remarkable. What The, the, the remainder of chapter 3, if you get a chance to read all of Habakkuk this week, let me, let me challenge you to do that. Because he gets to chapter 3, and you know what he does? He breaks out in song. Like if you, if you read the NLT, it, it says that he begins this prayer, but he acknowledges the prayer to be sung to musical instruments. There's something about his prayer in response to what he's learned about God that brings him to this place to write this prayer as a song that becomes this communal thing that he wants everybody in, in, in the congregation to be able to sing together. And it's really powerful. It's one thing to offer up a prayer. It's another thing to turn it into song and to expect everyone to sing it together. There's just something powerful about that. There's just something powerful about gathering a group together and raising our voices, you know, in, 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 in this unison about what we acknowledge about God and what we want to worship about God and what we want to live out in terms of who the character and the nature of God is all about. That's so powerful. And, and, and just, you know, I've only got 10 minutes here, so... I just let, let me give you the ending of his song. Here, here's the ending of his song. I want, to, I want to read it to you. I trembled inside when I heard this, meaning what, how God had answered. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. Because to hear that God was going to send the Babylonians to judge the very people of God was not something that Habakkuk just took mildly. He knew, he, you know, it made him quiver with fear, knowing that God was judging his people. He was not particular. If you've said Habakkuk, would you like something else to happen? Absolutely. I wish this wouldn't go the way it's going. But listen to what he says. He says, I will wait patiently for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. In other words, that judgment is God's and God's alone. That I will wait patiently. That whatever God is deeming for us, he will deem for them in his good time. And I will wait patiently for God to deal with it. Wow. Wow. How many of us, how many of us, I mean, I said this loud, how many of us would check out of faith? I don't know how many people I've known in my years who have checked out of faith the minute God did not act do or be what they expected. Habakkuk doesn't do that at all. He doesn't check out of the out of the program. But how many people have checked out of faith and they say God didn't do this or this or this or this or wasn't like this or didn't answer this or whatever. And they check out of faith. Because I don't understand God. God can't answer my questions. God can't, you know, can't, can't, you know, can't be what I want him to be. But Habakkuk says, you know, regardless, I will wait patiently. 
for the coming day because <coughs> Habakkuk is absolutely confident that the coming day is going to arrive because God said so. Because God said so. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, even though, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Wow. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. And then this little ending to the entire book. This is for the choir director. This prayer is to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Wow. That's the musical notation at the end of the book. That, hey, we're going we're gonna to make this loud and proud. You know anything about Hebrew worship? It's loud and proud. A lot of everything but the kitchen sink gets thrown in, and it's a big party. Okay? This is not your typical party music. Okay? Because the message is so, so you know, different from what the particular reality is. The particular reality is. I love, I love the way this ends. The three I wills in this particular passage is I will wait patiently. I will rejoice and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I don't know about you, but that messes with my head. Doesn't it? Doesn't it mess with yours? Right? Because here is Habakkuk saying, even though I will. Even though I will. Even though the circumstances are like this. Even though the thing is ugly. Even though the situation is not very good. Even though the situation is not what I would expect. Even though God's not acting the way I want him to. Even though I'm not getting the answers that I want. Even though, even though, even though, even though. I will rejoice. I will be joyful in the Lord and the God of my salvation. I will wait patiently for God to act in my life as he see fit. I will, I will, I will. Now, I don't know about you, but that is absolutely the hope formula that the Bible presents. Isn't it? Amen. That's the hope formula of the Bible. That even though circumstances, even though situation, even though my life isn't, as I would have expected, anticipated, anything like that, even though I will. And in that I will is where we find the grace of God, the strength of God, the miracle of God. You see, if we park ourselves in the, in the circumstance, if we park ourselves in the situation, if we park ourselves going, why, 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 why? We take away the potential that is found in the I will. We take away the reality of what is found in the I will. We take away the opportunity for God to work in the I will. Because, as, as I've said many times before, God is more interested in our faith 
than he is in anything else happening in our lives. That is what shapes our relationship with God. It's what transcends the circumstances that we are in in our lives and makes all the difference in the world. Now, I, you know, I, I got accused this week of something. I got accused this week that I'm all about easy faith. <laughs> you know, I, I, got, I got accused this week that, you know, you just say, you know, no matter what, just have faith. That, that, that's kind of one of those, you know, patent um, answers, you know. But the, but the reality is, that's, that's what the Bible advocates. I'm all about what the scripture teaches about faith. And, um, you know, next week we're going we're gonna to do a whole message on, you know, what does faith look like in the even though circumstances? What, what is it that this is all about? Uh, and we're going to go back to a passage in Habakkuk and we're going to close it out next week because the Apostle Paul built an entire theology on salvation based on a passage that Habakkuk states back in chapter 2. And we're going to deal with that all this week. We're going to unravel it. And we're going to talk about what this thing of faith, why it's so important to God, why you need to exercise it, even though, even though, your life may have every, um, every reason for you to doubt God, to not believe God, to not hope or trust in God. But like Habakkuk, that's my plea to you this week, that no matter what the even those are in your life, that you will, like Habakkuk, trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, amazing little book. And what it's teaching us, Lord, the, the powerful lessons that come from a prophet who breaks out in song in a situation, in a circumstance where that would have been the last thing on many of our hearts and minds. And yet what a powerful lesson it is about trusting God when everything in our lives would say otherwise. Lord, deepen our faith. Even the disciples asked Jesus if the, to deepen their faith. Because they acknowledged something, even in their own lives, as they learned more about God and what it meant as they walked in faithfulness with Him. So, Lord, commit in our hearts and our lives a faithfulness to walk with You, despite the even those in our lives that would maybe pull us in the opposite direction. So Lord, thank you 